on a brand new Josh Nason's Punch Out. I continue my look back at the year that was 2023 in the world of professional wrestling with a look at August. We are done with summer as we hurdle towards the final four months of this series. And joining me is Rich Kreich of Voices of Wrestling. I'm calling this month Triumph, Tragedy, and Tribulations because it had a little bit of all three as we go through the discussion. Of course, the tragedy being the, the sudden passing of Bray Wyatt at just 36 years old. Big surprise to a lot of people. We talk about that. Of course, coming in the same weekend as Terry Funk, the legendary Terry Funk, passing away at 79 years old. Two very different careers, but two deaths that affected the pro wrestling community uh, in, in very similar ways. We talk about all that. Of course, the triumph being for AEW. They had all in. After all that talk, they finally headed to London's Webley Stadium. Put in a reported by Tony Khan, more than 81,000 paid fans in the in the venue or uh, sold tickets. Rather, there was uh, just over 70,000 people actually there. Huge success, $10 million in revenue, big, uh, big pay-per-view success. However, it did not come without tribulations because the tribulations were CM Punk, who got into a fight with Jack Perry moments before Punk was set to go wrestle Samoa Joe to kick off. This pay-per-view from Wembley Stadium. We talk all about that, all the other issues surrounding Punk, and what would be his final days in AEW that we'll talk about in the September edition. But this is a great episode. We talk all about all kinds of news in, in WWE. Of course, SummerSlam happened, NXT, AEW, other stuff going on there. Impact Wrestling, there was the build to Impact 1000. There was a big change in their TV taping schedule, you know, New Japan, all the other things that happened, more like almost like 200 different topics we cover in just over an hour's time. So you're really going to enjoy this. I love doing it. August 2023 is part of the Josh Nason Punch-Out! Pro Wrestling Year Review Series begins right now. Well, another busy month in the world of pro wrestling and another busy episode as we continue to look back at the year that was 2023 and the year that was pro wrestling and joining me as he does essentially almost every year. It's Rich Krejci from uh, Voices of Wrestling, an annual guest. And and usually, Rich, you do uh, September because, you know, September is synonymous with all out in Chicago. You being a uh, Mr. Illinois, I think, for five years running, if I remember right. And uh, yeah, but the, but we're going in August, and August does feature a uh, Chicago native doing his thing, which we'll get oh. into. But this is <laughs> oh, a very busy, very busy month. But Rich, welcome back to the show. Glad to have you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I, I, it's a great annual tradition. I'm glad to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, when you gave me August, I was like, oh yeah, it's gonna be a busy month. And it was when the notes came in. It was about I don't know three times busier <laughs> than I even thought it was. Uh, an unbelievable month in, in in wrestling. It's 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 wild how. And I guess we've kind of had this now for a couple of years. It seems like ever since AEW uh, came to be that. And I'm sure you're experiencing this as you're going through uh, month by month. It's like wrestling is just crazy. I mean, I, I nobody rem- people. I, and I, I talk to people about this all the time. They don't remember the days when it was like. It used to be kind of boring, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was just having to be in town, and they were fine. And you know, TNA would do some if if TNA wasn't doing something weird or silly or getting thrown off of their television network because of emails or whatever, they were just kind of existing. And Ring of Honor was just kind of existing, and WWE was just kind of existing. And they weren't wild like this, man. But these are some wild, wild months. And August is uh, oof, there's a lot. 
here. It is. Yeah. Then especially you consider like Edge leaving WWE after, you know, 25 years. That's like the, I don't know, fifth or sixth top story of the month. You know what I mean? That's yeah, basically a non-story. Yeah, we could, we, we could, we could probably skip that one if we wanted to and be perfectly fine. And I don't know that that many people would notice until it would be a I long know. time. So someone will say, wait, didn't Edge leave WWE in August? You're like, oh yeah, but there's so many other things. This is going to be a great month. I'm excited to do it. As am I. Yeah. So we'll go. So I said, go with uh, WWE this month. Um, you know, we'll talk about the passing of Bray Wyatt in, in a second. This is, uh, you know, a, a very busy month for WWE and a, uh, crazy month for AWs. we'll get into it. let's start with WWE. of course SummerSlam happened this month and roman reigns defeating jay uso in their tribal combat uh match in the main event uh roman reigns we learned later got hurt early in the match jimmy uso betraying his brother jay you hate to see that brother on brother violence like that especially in the Howard Halls of the World Wrestling Federation um, <laughs> yeah. company had a and i'll say a record-breaking slim jim sponsorship ahead of the show and also a record-breaking SummerSlam live gate as uh, they are doing every single time out due to you know increased ticket prices, increased attendance. Uh, good to be uh, the accountants for WWE this year for sure. Uh, Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar finished their trilogy. Cody picking up a win. Uh, two shook hands afterward. This was uh, not a bull rope match as there were some rumors uh, going into this show that uh, that might be a stipulation. It was just a straight-up wrestling match. And L.A. Knight winning a battle royal is his ascent toward the uh, the top of the uh, the card, so to speak, uh, continued. Io Sky cashing in her money in the bank against uh, briefcase against Bianca Belair, winning the WWE Women's Title. Dakota Kai making her return. We learned later she was contacted for the event essentially hours before the show, at like one o'clock in the afternoon, and there was like one flight, and she was able to get there. So uh, good for her, Logan Paul. Uh, he was on the show against um, uh, he was on the show against Ricochet to open the show. And then he then flew to uh, I think it was Miami, I think, for his brother, Jake Paul, uh, boxing Nate Diaz uh, later that night. I believe it was Miami. But yeah, he uh, Logan Paul, the Paul brothers all over this great country of ours. And uh, there was a report earlier in the week, in the month, rather, that Robert Rude is going to work as producer at SummerSlam, uh, perhaps indicating that his in-ring days may be done. Of course, going neck fusion surgery out for quite some time. Hasn't officially retired, but that's kind of a nod towards that. But this was, yeah, I mean, this overall, again, a, a big spectacle show. Um, as SummerSlam usually is, and of course these kind of big, you know, stadium style shows uh, that they're doing. The tent poles are continue to pack them at the box office and, and revenue wise. You know, the main event uh, I remember is just long and not that interesting. You know, there were spots at the very end that were kind of kind of good, but it was just a very very long match. And uh, yeah, I'd say that, you know the action was kind of, eh, but you know, as always, there's news coming out of it, and you know, company keeps making money. Yeah, it, it, to me, SummerSlam is a very interesting event for WWE this year because I think more than anything, it proves kind of proof of concept for a lot of the bloodline stuff where there was a long, long, long time through. I mean, 2020, obviously, you can strike that because it's you know a, a very weird time. You weren't selling live tickets, all that sort of stuff. 2021 and 2022 is very slow moving for the bloodline stuff to really start becoming a, a, a business mover and a tangible business mover. Then you look at like Elimination Chamber was, I think, the first moment where it felt like, oh, wait, hold on a minute. We're, we're kind of switching a little bit here. This thing is starting to kind of catch a lot of fire. WrestleMania, I always like WrestleManias are always weird. Like I always feel weird attributing a WrestleMania to anything because it's a WrestleMania. Like tickets are on sale for this year's, you know, or next year's WrestleMania already. They're almost all, and nobody knows what the main event's going to be. I'm sure it's going to have Roman Reigns involved in it. You can kind of assume that, but nobody else knows anything that's going to happen on the show. It's WrestleMania. It's in this town. You're going to fly to this town. You're going to go to that town to go to WrestleMania. So, like, that one, I don't, I, I it's weird. I don't always kind of attribute, I, I don't like attributing that to a wrestler, a story, the company being whatever way it is. It, it, it's, 
it's I feel like even if the WWE was down, like that would be still an event that people would still go to in numbers and in, in, in very large numbers. But the SummerSlam was a huge event in terms of getting that 51,000, right? Over 51,000 to Detroit for the Roman Reigns, Jey Uso thing. And I don't know. It, that one was like, okay, now this is a, to me a, the best reflection of how hot and how much business this bloodline thing was moving and how interested people were in, in, in Jey Uso's ascent, how much the people were in Roman Reigns continuing to defend the title. So from a business standpoint, it was a fantastic show, an amazing show for WWE to be able to put 51,000 in, in Detroit uh, for, for SummerSlam, big time stadium show, looks great on, on TV, uh, looks great to the audience. Like you said, record-breaking Slim Jim sponsorship, record-breaking gate. It's just continued. The, the records were just falling like crazy. But on the flip side of that, the main event, like you mentioned, was very slow, very plodding. The fans didn't seem to care all that much, which is wild. You know, you you pay, you go to SummerSlam, and then it's just like this match happened. And as it was happening, little by little, you could hear the crowd start to go, and they weren't they weren't into it. They just weren't. I, whether they didn't buy into the J thing or more than anything, I think we may have kind of hit the the peak of what this bloodline thing was going to be. I think that I, I don't know if you kind of agree or disagree, but I felt that this was an event where it was like, maybe we finally hit the point where people were like, okay, we need a different story. Now we need something a little bit different with this. Then Roman comes in Roman second to the limit. Oh, and somebody comes in and turns on the other guy or comes in and interferes or the Usos are feuding with each other, you know, you know, and they felt like they were doing that same thing over and over and over again. And I do feel like SummerSlam was the first moment where you saw even hardcore WWE fans say, okay, I think we're ready for a little something different. And, and I have a few buddies that, that are completely detached from this wrestling uh, internet wrestling world, which is fantastic. And I, I, God bless them. And I wish that was me sometimes, but uh-huh. you know, they had the same thing after Cause I always go to them and I always kind of get the, you know, the temperature that they had. And they had the same thing. They were all in on Roman and all in on the bloodline and all in on the story. And after SummerSlam, they just kind of said, yeah, I think I think I'm ready for something different. Somebody, I didn't want Jay to win, but I don't want this same story over and over again. I hope that at at WrestleMania, God willing, that it finally, finally, finally switches to something else. Whoever wins the Rumble goes to Mania switch. So I, I think this was a good event in terms of showing that the bloodline business had, 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 had turned around and had been a, a, a huge, huge positive. But I do think it also kind of showed, okay, we're – we're three years into the story going into four. Maybe it's time that we start kind of figuring out a different angle here. Cause it's kind of been the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that the title needed to be involved in the, this kind of this, this, uh, this portion of the story. Right. right. I mean, had had again, going back to mania, had Cody won. I think you could still do a lot of these similar things and there would have been different angles and kind of rationale and, and all that stuff. But yeah, it was just a, you know, this thing of all the main events have to be 30 plus minutes. And sometimes, I mean, a, a fight is a lot shorter, you know, maybe you don't give them eight minutes, but maybe 15 intense minutes versus 30 kind of slow kind of, but yeah, it's, yeah, I agree. This is, um, well, well to, to button here, oh, like yeah. one of the things I always loved about Brock Lesnar main events, I know a lot of people stopped liking Brock Lesnar WWE main events for years ago. I still always love him because the bell rings and you have to focus at every second of that because you don't know if that match is going to end in four minutes, five minutes, six minutes, 10 yep. minutes, 11 minutes, 12 minutes, 15. You have no idea with a Roman match bell rings and you can, you can settle in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you are very well aware that this thing is going 30. It's going 40. The fans know someone's going to run in Solo's going to run in. Maybe Jimmy will run it. you like, you know what I mean? There's always, you know, there's going to be something and that's, I think that's something that's kind of been lost on this Roman thing. And I think maybe it's a better idea to, like you said, switch it up a little bit and, and have him beat somebody in. Cause like, uh, I, I forget what the name of the show was now. It happened a month ago or whatever, the LA night match in, in, in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Like that didn't need to go 35 minutes. You know what I mean? Like that could have been like, a, that's taking nothing away from LA night, but it would have been good for Roman to go in there 
and maybe definitively put the guy away in, in, in 12 or 13 minutes or whatever. Or, you know, maybe L.A.'s got like a really nice, you know, the match starts and he's got a really, you know, good energy and, and looks like he might be able to do it. And then Roman just, you know, a couple minutes later, just takes him down, hits him with the punch and it's over. And at least kind of re, you know, rewires you to think, OK, you know, some of these matches can end whenever. But like you said, you just kind of settle in. And sometimes these matches feel very samey and very by the numbers and very templated. And, and that that I don't love that for my main events. And let's go to uh, some of the sad news during the two major deaths uh, this month and in a year that uh, seen some notable passings. Uh, former WWE champion and and uh, very intriguing one, I guess you could say, Bray Wyatt passing away at the age of just 36 years old. Super sad story. This was um, a surprise to, I think, pretty much everyone uh, for the most part. And because you know, earlier in the month, there was a report that he was uh, closer to making his WWE return. Um, his father at a, a convention said he thought that uh, he'd return to WWE hopefully shortly. And so when all of a sudden we got this news that he had passed away, it was just a shock. And we learned later that he was uh, suffering from heart complications prior to his death. And it was a uh, COVID related uh, that, uh, you know, it's just kind of a long-term thing. And, you know, he'd been wrestling uh, LA night during the uh, following the Royal rumble, he had done some house show matches, thing like that, and just was kind of off the road. I think it was in March. I think it was, it was kind of done. But, you know, just a a uh, super sad story. You know, married, had you know, five kids, I believe, something along those lines. And, and uh, you know, just this outpouring of uh, of grief, but also uh, positivity. And, and everyone had great stories to tell about him. Um, you know, Braun Strowman, carrying Cross, and Shotzi got tribute tattoos. And there's just, you know, there was – from around the wrestling world, there was uh, there was acknowledgement and, and just the sadness and, and uh, yeah, I mean, acknowledgement of of this guy who, you know, there if we kind of are, are being fair of the situation, you know, you kind of look back in his career. There were certainly some some highs and certainly a lot of lows. I think that, you know, the WrestleMania match with Randy Orton with the, the images, of the worms in the ring <laughs> yeah. and things like that, or like the fiends, some some of the fiends stuff with the box and the. Um, uh, Alexa Bliss, you know there were there were certainly some some lows. I, you know, I it, it's uh, he, Josh, and my Alexa is going off for some reason. <laughs> oh, oh, because you said Alexa Bliss. Yeah, oh, that's they used true. to have us every <laughs> single I, to the point where I got rid of my Alexa, switched to Google stuff because um, I now know that I can't say there was a three years we're on our podcast. I would I would talk about Alexa Bliss and I would start talking. I'm like screw this thing. And now it's that's a, I started unplugging it and then I just got rid of it because then it would hear me like rooms away and I was like all right. I gotta go to Google, Wyatt. I guess. Wow. Huh. So anyway, maybe Bray Wyatt is uh, trying to tell me something right now about that angle. But yeah, so I mean, he had these these highs and lows, but he was always interesting, trying something different. And I think I'd said this before that, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he fully, I would have liked to see him in a full Triple H regime versus the Vince regime, because I don't, I just get a feeling Vincent kind of gets some of this stuff. And I kind of wonder if some of his suggestions along the way didn't kind of, you know, allow him to kind of fully be him. Um, I think back to like when he first got called up, I distinctly remember like Chris Jericho saying, you know, this guy is going to be, uh, this guy is going to be like the next, like really big star. And, you know, they had this kind of aura with the Wyatt family, but they never kind of explained what the, what the motivations were, like what he was, what this family was, you know, kind of just like what, like any type of real backstory. And they just didn't really kind of seem to go, all the way with it. But I mean, you got to look back in his run. It, it was a notable run. And I, again, the fiend, when he came back, that was a big thing, but I think they overdid that just 
not having it be kind of an occasional character, but like they did the every week thing. And to me, that kind of lost some of its luster. But you know, I mean, look, we see thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of wrestlers throughout the course of our uh, of watching this in our fandom. I think if you stand out uh, in a positive way, um, that's a good thing. And, you know, I, I don't. I think he did. He's, he's a a notable wrestler that I don't think will ever be forgotten. And a lot of people are very sad that he's uh, he's gone. No, I, I think absolutely. You know, the legacy is 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 one of ups and downs or whatever, but it's a, it's a legacy. I mean, he definitely I mean, for, for somebody who passes away at 36 and essentially doesn't wrestle almost the entirety of the last year uh, of their life or whatever. He accomplished a lot in 35 years, you know, and 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 will always be remembered in WWE history and always be remembered in wrestling history as, as one of the more creative characters ever. I, I kind of agree with you that I think one of the things that that got me sort of away from because I used to be a really, really big fan, maybe not necessarily of his in-ring, but understood the stories, the promos, all that sort of stuff was really, really good when he came in. I love the Wyatt family stuff. I remember finding out about that, you know, when it initially started popping up in the videos and in NXT or whatever, still when NXT was like this very underground thing that only a few yeah. people knew about or whatever. <laughs> and you saw these videos and you're like, whoa, this is, this is some next level stuff that's getting done over here. And um, it was a lot of fun. And, and the early, early Wyatt stuff was great. I, I, I love that. And then little by little, it got a little too supernatural and a little too, okay, now this guy is just a magician or like, you know, he just has superpowers or whatever. And that's when I kind of lost it a little bit. And, and I kind of detached from it and thought, okay, now, now I've lost it and I don't really understand this. And, and I do agree that maybe it would have been, you know, if, if he's still around now and, and we're talking about, you know, the current regime that possibly we could have gotten a little bit more to, you know, him being, being a human again and not being supernatural and, and that, you know, more or less being a very weird, very creepy, very, you know, manipulative human being, as opposed to quite literally just like a guy that has superpowers or whatever, which we got to uh, at a point. But yeah, the, 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 the passing away was shocking because it felt like, you know, he'd been away for a while. And I remember on, on, on our, our podcast, the flagship podcast, I one time, you know, mentioned, and I think it was May or something like that. I'm like, where, what's going on with this guy? Like, where, where is he? Why is he not, you know, and somebody messaged us and just kind of said, like, just so you know, like, it's not good. Something is bad. I can't really tell you what it is. It was one of those weird, like, wrestling things where you're like, mm -hmm. I just wish you wouldn't have told me because now I'm like, what, what, what's going on? And then I was kind of had that in the back of my mind. And then I just kind of forgot about it. And I forgot about it for a while. And then reports were, oh, yeah, he's coming back very soon or he's getting back in shape. He's getting back in shape. He's getting back in shape. And yeah, anytime soon. And, you know, yeah, it's even his father saying, yeah, he should be back pretty soon. And then it was like, boom. He's dead. And it's like, yeah. holy crap. And then I went yeah. back to that guy and I was like, is this what you were talking about? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, gee, man, it's like, it's, I mean, it's just awful. Yeah. It's just an awful way to, to pass. And he has children and, and young children and a wife and stuff. It's just, yeah. And he's the exact same age as me as well, which also was kind of an eye opener too. I was just like, oh man. So yeah, um, yeah it, it hit me a little differently too. That that was definitely just an absolutely tragic one uh, this yeah. year, you know, right, right on, right on the same level as, as the brisk, uh, as, as, as Jay Briscoe passing away, which is just like, a dagger because it's like man this guy still has all of his life to live and and, and it's all taken away yeah very very so i mean i one and one a and one b obviously you know uh bray was a a much bigger star by proxy but i think in terms of how it hit the industry and how people were affected by it it was yeah one a and one b in terms of just like you know just like what why <laughs> you know i mean and we'll get to terry funk in a few minutes but you know terry funk had the most realized life ever when he yeah. comes to wrestling he lived 19 lives yeah he, he lived everybody's life <laughs> over and, and over you know and and people were obviously sad when he was gone and the tributes poured out but i mean he like you mentioned he lived so many different lives i mean that's like a fully realized like all the gases out of the tank you know and and that's the thing with these young deaths it's just an a form of life you know that they just don't have the uh 
you just don't see them fully realize, you know, all the way. But yeah, pretty sad there. Bray Wyatt passing away at just uh, 36 years old. Uh, company announced they were donating all net proceeds of merchandise to his family. And yeah, we'll uh, you know, look back on hopefully no more tragic young deaths uh, for, you know, forever. <laughs> Love yeah. that. But that's just the kind of the way that that life goes. Um, we flip to a, a, a another story as, as we, you know, we're talking about kind of this could be the fifth or sixth biggest story of the month in, 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 in other years. Might be a lot bigger as uh, Edge. Uh, Edge eventually left WWE, and this came in a really kind of just a, a whole bunch of different like um, uh, news at once. So it, all of a sudden, you know, they, they WWE was big in these twentieth and twenty fifth anniversary celebrations uh, with Cena, Orton, and now Edge. So Edge celebrating twenty five years of being in WWE, and uh, that was set for Toronto, Canada, in an episode of SmackDown, and uh, it was announced he was going to be taking on Sheamus on that show. He ended up getting the win that night, and earlier in the month, he had uh, revealed that his contract expired after a Friday's that Friday's match, and essentially at the end of September. And then there were sources that said that within WWE, they believed that he was AEW bound after they declined uh, what they would take to, to resign him. So there was some talk that Edge had some, some contract demands of what he would want to stay, and the company was like, eh, I don't know about that. I don't know if we ever fully got kind of the, the full details. Edge did a... Uh, a, uh, a morning uh, Twitter session when a video which he posted saying that the saw those reports and saying that, you know, WWE didn't deny me and he has a contract extension sitting in his inbox. And, you know, he eventually, as we'd learn, you know, in, uh, in just a couple months, he would, uh, he would be heading to AEW. So that was confirmed, but you know, I, it was funny because I don't think anyone ever thought that WWE didn't offer him a contract extension. And I think there was no doubt that he had one, sitting in his inbox. I just, I think that the terms they probably offered him were not what he wanted. And later on, he would say that, you know, sometimes you just, it's time just to split. You kind of just grow apart and it's kind of come to the end of the road. That's all you can do. And he wanted to keep going and, and he wanted something a little bit different. So he ended up going to AEW, but this was, yeah, pretty crazy after, you know, 25 years, just like that. And, and, uh, world titles and, and the main event angles. And, you know, some question about whether he was a a true ratings draw and all these type of things. And, you know, an interesting, notable, and, you know, obviously hall of fame career. Uh, it came to an end in uh, WWE and a new chapter is about to begin, you know, a couple months later. Yeah, it, it was definitely a interesting, you know, thing of, of him, you know, departing WWE and, you know, the contract negotiations, like we said, we, we don't know the exact details of that, but, you know, the idea that, you know, he wasn't, either given you know what what he what he wanted or he wanted a new challenge or whatever and i think stuff like this is cool like I, I think this is what's so great about having a competitor in the marketplace is that in any other era or, or most other eras that a lot of people have lived through over the last you know 20 years that post wcw guys would just you know stay there forever and and they'd either you know be let go and and you know do nothing until they got brought back or you know they just stay around forever and i like this idea that edge was either you know not given an offer that he 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 liked or, or wanted a new challenge, whatever that may be. And there's another place for him to go and he can go to AEW and he can, he can sign there and, and do stuff that he maybe hasn't been able to do or, or, or get a better term on his contract or, or get more uh, of a, uh, you know, trust that he's going to be in, you know, big stories and stuff like that. And that's cool. I mean, that, that to me is, is what's awesome about having a competitor in the marketplace is that somebody like this can, can, can leave WWE and it feels like, Oh my God, Oh my God. And there's no way he would ever do this. But you know, that this is to me, uh, the, the, the truest sign of a healthy industry is, is somebody like this that had such a huge legacy in WWE being able to say, you know what, I'm going to try something different. Thanks for the offer guys. Or, Hey, you know, this offer doesn't kind of meet what I want. Are you guys able to match this? And they say no. And he goes, okay, that's fine. Well then I'll just go to AEW. And that, I think that's to me, the truest sign of a healthy industry. So it was, uh, it was an interesting, uh, 
uh, uh, move, but uh, yeah, definitely one that 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 spoke to I think the health of of, of both companies. Yeah, and and for the people that uh, the awful online people that uh, you know, claim, oh, you know, he's going to be terrible there. He's going to see it out. Like I think to your point, he, he, there was just a different opportunity for him. And at the end of the day, as much as people, you know, some fans don't like to think of it this way, these guys and girls are artists. You know, this this is their art. And this, he wanted a, a different place to to try some things out. And I think that's, WWE has a certain style, a certain way of doing things and to have to be able to go to the end, to be able to work with his best friend and have a different challenge and a different organization. Look, he, you know, he's going to be 70 years old someday. I'm sure he would probably like not want to think back like, how, oh, what if I did try somewhere else? And for the uh, duration of his WWE run, there really wasn't another place for any high level for him to go to. And now there is. And I think that's a, that's a good for him. And he wasn't like a, you know, he left in negative terms, just, it was just time to do something different. And I think, you know, so many people tend to not understand that. Right. I mean, there's a, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay to go somewhere else and, and try some new stuff. And it's not an anti anyone thing. It's just, it's just a thing. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. For, for sure. And, and it's, it's also, he's not, gonna he'll he'll, if he ever wants to go back there or they want to put him in some special wing of some special hall of fame or whatever you know what i mean like it'll be he he will be welcome back i'm sure that won't be the the end of it for for you know adam copeland in in wb when when he retires or whatever he'll he'll be welcome back at at some point or whatever and i think this also speaks to wb's business too is seeing you know the new now we have a completely new company running this thing, a completely new you know regime running this thing. It's it's sure. CKO now, and you know maybe in another era they say, well we can, we got it. Just well why not? Just keep that. You know give him give him whatever he wants. This new you know regime says, yeah you know what if he wants to go over there, great, we're fine. We don't need him. <laughs> you know really you know in a lot of ways we we'll be fine. Our business will still be good. We'll still sell you know ninety thousand tickets to WrestleMania <laughs> or whatever. We'll be all right. You know what I mean? Like we'll we'll get a giant TV deal. We'll we'll be okay without Edge. And, and I think that speaks to maybe a new um new thought process by 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 TKO. You know, yep. with, with with guys like this saying, nah, you know what? This guy's probably to us in the coldest, you know, in a vacuum sense. Is he worth the money? Probably not. And we don't really have any loyalty. So if he wants to go knock yourself out, you know, and that that I think speaks to a very, very different company, too. All right. Let's go through some of the other uh, headlines of the month. We'll take this first chunk here. Uh, the company announced their vision out their super superstar spectacle house show in India that had been delayed forever. Due to a media merger over there, John Cena set to work a match, Mr. International. Uh, Asuka said that stardom was created to destroy me personally. So I don't think she'll be ever going to stardom when her career ends. Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus in a steel cage match were set for the next month's payback. Big E on his WWE in-ring return. Right now, I have no answers. He was announced he's going to be starring in a Randy Couture-led family comedy movie, which sounds like it's going to be quite a thing. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> After SummerSlam, gone for a while from WWE, as he is uh, akin to do. Company received uh, nearly $3 million in uh, government subsidies from the Welsh government for the previous September's clash at the castle. The company revealed the premiere date for the upcoming or the uh, then upcoming Kurt Angle Peacock documentary. More record-breaking stuff, Rich. Record-breaking economic impact of WrestleMania 39, Los Angeles. And they revealed that WrestleMania 40 had already broken the company's all-time gate record. No matches announced, just tickets going on sale. And already record-breaking. Now, Sonya Deville, at that point, a women's tag team champion, suffered a torn ACL, so those titles will be changing again. Uh, WB and UFC, their merged company, TKO Group, they officially revealed their board members, uh, some familiar faces to uh, WB fans and uh, so on. Bronson Reed and his wife, Paige, said uh, they were expecting their first child. Kevin Owens returned to action after a fractured rib injury. Company revealed their Q2 financials. 
Record revenue, no big supply, surprise, more stuff on Vince McMahon, media rights are still talking about, and some Endeavor upda- updates as they were just kind of continuing to plow ahead until uh, the deal would be official, which actually be, spoiler alert, be in September. Racial discrimination lawsuit from a former WWE writer was voluntarily dismissed uh, for, for several defendants, so that would have some uh, other um, uh, updates to it later in the year. The company made some changes to their commentary teams, really just putting Michael Cole on both shows, Raw and SmackDown, to uh, give uh, uh, Kevin Patrick some um, uh, some additional uh, help and assistance or you know, however they'd spun it. It was interesting. This was uh, first revealed in Variety of all places. So Michael Cole making the uh, Hollywood dirt sheets. How about that? <laughs> uh, company in the NFL uh, announced their first ever licensing agreement. And Vince McMahon, speaking of him, was served a search warrant and a subpoena in July we still don't know what that all was about as we sit here in, uh, what, mid-December, but maybe someday we'll kind of learn as uh, Vince McMahon is essentially no longer in power in terms of WWE and doing his thing as TKO executive chairman, but uh, he was served with a search warrant, so something's going on there. So we'll uh, maybe someday we'll find out. Thoughts about any of that? Yeah, I mean, the the the, the Vince McMahon thing obviously is is, is big because that was a, like, oh, what's going on here? And then it kind of died, but, you know, like you said, the, the, these things take time, so very soon after we might find out and, and, and maybe... Uh, coming up in the in the coming because I know in, in early 2024 a lot of the TKO uh, legal stuff I think is is about to rear its ugly head and and uh, we'll see if that gets lumped in with all the other stuff that they're gonna have to deal with in terms of uh, you know antitrust and and, and whatnot but uh, we'll we'll, we'll you know, I'm sure you'll be touching that in December of, of 2024 talking <laughs> but uh, I forget when that stuff pops up I think it's March or April when when those uh, uh, lawsuits start but yeah otherwise um, just like you said the record breaking stuff of of them just the gates subsidies, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a money-making machine at this point. It's like, they can just roll out whatever they want. It, it seems like it doesn't matter. It's like people are going to pay them to have their shows there. They're going to sell a bunch of tickets to every show. It's, 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 it's gotta be good to be in the, in the, the financial department of WWE year TKO right now. I mean, that is a company that just makes and prints money and, and it's pretty wild uh, to see how well it's, it's, it's doing. We'll go the rest of the month. New day return to action on raw. Rod Rousey said she has no reason to stay. In the company after her loss to SummerSlam, she had her eyes set on Ring of Honor. That would happen later. Absolutely, in the year. yeah, right. The, That's the right. Hollowed halls of Ring of Honor, baby. That's yeah. true. That's true. In front of three thousand people, crazy stuff. Uh, Sheamus said that the company wasted his momentum after Clash at the Castle. Nate Diaz revealed that WB wanted to be involved in a potential Logan Paul fight, but he had no interest in doing that. Finn Balor said he was reluctant to join uh, the Judgment Day due to Bullet Club comparisons. Drew McIntyre said he was not interested in a heel turn unless it made perfect sense. Kyrie, now she was, uh, or there was a reveal she was going to be returning to WB after filling her Japanese dates. She said she was preparing for a new voyage amid some of the rumors. She was also announced for a Gleet show in uh, September. There's a report that Nick Aldis was in town for Raw and brought in for a potential producer role. There's an interesting quote from Nick Aldis we'll get to in just a few minutes. Endeavor said they expected the company merger to be finalized in mid to late September, which it was. Carl Anderson, he still exists, said in his past anti-WB comments, I said some things that were out of passion. There you go. Rhea Ripley and Buddy Matthews get engaged. Nia Jax said a potential return. I don't have the answer. Rey Mysterio won the United States title on SmackDown. Logan Paul pitched the most hated tag team with Dominic Mysterio in WWE. We'll see if that ever happens. Lacey Evans, remember her? She was done with WWE. Talk about a, a like headline that was so far down the list. <laughs> Just no impact by Lacey Evans at all. Uh, John Cena, someone that uh, made a lot of impact, said he was or was announced he was going to make in his return in an upcoming SmackDown episode, and then was announced for seven additional SmackDown episodes, giving John some things to do with the while well, the uh, actor strike was happening at that time. Bianca Belair took some time off, and now she was taking some time off rather 
after SummerSlam. Then Jerry Lawler made his first appearance on Raw during a commercial break uh, post uh, his stroke that he suffered earlier in the year. Thoughts about any of that? Yeah, um, the Rousey thing was always uh, really, really fascinating to me because I, it's so strange how big of a deal she was when she first came in and how massive she was to that company and how they pushed women and you know make no bones about it I mean, people will always you know attribute it to becky lynch and stuff and, and yeah, obviously becky had to get to that point but the reason that women main evented at wrestlemania was because of ronda rousey i'm sorry <laughs> becky being the star certainly helped but ronda rousey was the reason they main evented at you know the wrestlemania ronda rousey was the reason they had an all-women's pay-per-view ronda rousey was the reason a lot of stuff in that company probably that fox deal happened as well i mean she was a massive 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 tangible money mover ratings mover attendance mover all that sort of stuff she did it and then she came back this last run and you would have forgotten she was there sometimes you turn on smackdown you're like right ronda rousey's there yeah okay Mm -hmm. it's just nothing like no effort no buzz no nothing it's just a very weird end to it and and just kind of limping to the end like you said where it was just like man once she's out of here you didn't even think, I mean, she was complete non-factor in, in that last run. And that it just blows me away given how big of a factor she was in that first one and how important she was to that business. Uh, it, it, it just blew me away that she just kind of faded away after SummerSlam. And then she pops up here in Ring of Honor and everyone's like, oh, all right, that's cool. And then that has like a day of buzz and that's kind of gone. It's like, man, this woman was like the biggest star in the world, it felt like for a while there. And now it's just... Uh, just a person on, you know, not, not even a person on the roster anymore in terms of WWE, just a person that just occasionally pops up and does stuff. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, Ronda Rousey. It, it just, yeah, it blew me away how how little uh, things mattered for her in, in that last WWE run. Yeah, great point. Great point. Some of that guys is, is uh, yeah, it's been overlooked a lot. Her, yeah, she was the biggest stars in sports in the world. And her just leaving. I mean, it just was like, okay. <laughs> yeah crazy they didn't really like fight her on it they didn't like try to do anything they were just like oh you want to okay well, well bye <laughs> you know let, let's have you can lose a match to uh you know uh was it uh Shayna Baszler, right yeah, yeah yeah like lose this like ho-hum not very good match to Shayna Baszler and then okay bye and then it's just like oh okay like one of the most important women in that company's history is just like all right see ya and then she yeah. just leaves and it's it's pretty much you know doesn't get a big farewell doesn't get a big you know it's just kind of like all right see ya bye yeah and she leaves T- and yeah, it, it, to the point that I didn't even include it in my rundown of SummerSlam we just talked about. Like, right. It was just nothing. <laughs> right, didn't even matter. Right, 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 right. Unreal. Uh, let's run through NXT before we get to AEW. Not a ton that happened during the month. Baron Corbin said he was fighting to stay in the company or the uh, that group a little bit longer. Uh, company re- revealed their full Global Heritage Invitational field. Of course, this is a round-robin tournament for a shot at the Heritage Cup. The Creed Brothers won reinstatement. The Street Profits returned. Rey Mysterio appeared on an episode. Santos Escobar made his return as WWE just leveraging this main roster talent to come down anywhere that they want. Um, it's it's just so I, I say I say it's in a good way. It seems so unfair they're able to do this. So they could just drop people in, like you know CM Punk last night on on um, Deadline. They're just able to send people down, and and it's just big surprises. And it's uh yeah, it's uh, it's good to good to be the king. That's for sure. Heat wave happened. The only really kind of notable thing, uh, Noam Dar regained the Heritage Cup trophy. With a win over Nathan Frazier, and then Brian Pillman reportedly had started uh, at the Performance Center. The future Lexus King uh, coming to Orlando. So yeah, not a lot there, but uh, anything there stuck out? Uh, no, I mean you you sort of mentioned it as as well. The 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 collaboration of WWE and NXT, I think, has been one of the biggest stories of. 2023 and it's obviously it's helped propel nxt to getting that new tv deal on the cw and, and getting a big increase and and to me a, a very very good uh, uh television deal uh, for nxt getting on on you know network television and all that sort of stuff is, is is really really cool but yeah a lot of that has been because you know they've been willing to put people on there and, and willing to you know 
put main roster people on there. And there was for so long, and one of the biggest issues with with NXT, e- even during its quote unquote peak, was that it was like a complete, you know, a completely separate company from 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 main roster WWE. It may as well have never existed in 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 that in you know the Vince McMahon booked, you know, main roster. It just had a non-factor. They wouldn't even promote it. They wouldn't even say, hey, coming on. It, it, but it, it still, it thrived. It was getting, you know, selling out buildings and having great, you know, takeovers and all this sort of stuff, all being done in a complete vacuum and being done without any sort of help whatsoever from the main roster. And now we've kind of seen the the flip side of that and how important it is to, uh, you know, how, how, you know, useful it is to use for people like a Baron Corbin. Hey, we got nothing for you on the main roster. Go to NXT and, 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 and do some big time stuff. And they did that in the early days of NXT. You know, Tyson Kidd did a little bit of a run there. Uh, Tyler Breeze, remember he had that little run where he would come and go and, 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 and do stuff. He'd be on the main roster. Then he'd come back to NXT for a while. And I think that's helpful for everybody. I think the wrestlers probably feel like they're, you know, doing something a lot. Every wrestler wants to do something. Not a lot of guys want to sit home and, and collect a check. They want to work. Um, so you get those wrestlers do something and it just helps the business and it helps, you know, it, it, especially for NXT, it helps the next wave of people work with guys that are on the main roster. They can probably learn some stuff from them. So yeah, I, I think NXT, like I don't, I don't love the week to week NXT. I don't find it a very good show, but you can't argue with what, what they're doing and the success that they've had in, in 2023, given where they were a couple years ago, you know, having to, you know, change nights and basically run away from dynamite to now competing with dynamite in the demo and competing with dynamite in a ratings uh, standpoint, signing a new TV deal and stuff. I mean, it, it's been a remarkable, remarkable turnaround for NXT. So a lot of effort done by, by that company to get that, you know, get NXT where it is. So now, Rich, we go to London, England, famed Wembley Stadium for AEW, and it has to begin with All In. 81,035 paid. That was the announced attendance from Tony Khan. Unusual to announce just the paid attendance, but there we are. The, what do you call the uh, most paid fans ever at a wrestling event. I mean, nobody talked about that point afterward, right? I mean, it was just kind of a, a quiet thing. Nobody debated that online. Or anything like that. Oh, never. No, no, never. never. Especially AEW. Nobody debates much of anything about <laughs> AEW online. So, ever, ever, ever. Um, but yeah, this was a, a spectacle, an afternoon show on a Sunday in, uh, in late August. And I would say for the most part, it uh, it paid off. The, it was a very entertaining show, great visual, a different, uh, it was, it was, it was really like their WrestleMania in so many different ways. MJF retained the AEW world title over Adam Cole. And, and I'd say a pretty good main event. Uh, the duo won the, Ring of Honor tag team titles in the opener of the show over Aussie Open. That was kind of an unusual thing, I thought. And and I don't really think the 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 RH titles really tag team titles really kind of mean much to this now, especially since Cole is hurt. But you know, they're still still sticking it with them and Freebird rules, I guess. And and uh, we talk about that later. Uh, but really, you know, the see CM Punk. We're gonna talk a lot about CM Punk. So as the pay per view is about to begin, of course, the opener we learned was CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. We learned afterward that CM Punk and Jungle Boy Jack Perry had a backstage altercation like minutes before their match was supposed to happen. The the, the Punk Joe match that is. Tony Khan in the press conference afterwards confirmed there's a backstage incident. Didn't really talk much about that. We learned that later on that essentially Jack Perry, who competed against Hook in the uh, pre-show opener, made the comment about you know that's real glass, climb me, cry me a river. Punk heard that, didn't like that, and decided to confront him backstage. There was a pull apart. Punk uh, allegedly uh, lunged after Tony Khan, and that resulted in Punk uh, being fired in September. The two, uh, Punk and Perry, were suspended uh, pending an investigation. And yeah, this was just a, again, all this stuff going on behind the scenes. These guys are opening up the show in front of, you know, uh, you know, it gives it 70 plus thousand. They're actually in attendance there. 
their biggest show. And of course, you know, this happens. It's just like one more thing. We'll get to a little bit more about Punk kind of beginning of the end in a minute. Uh, other matches on the show, Will Ospreay pick and win over Chris Jericho. The acclaimed of Billy Gunn won the AEW Trios titles. It was announced after the show that the company would return to London's Wembley Stadium in 2024. It would be for August. This apparently is going to be a yearly thing. We learned later that Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega was originally planned for this show, but of course, Danielson's injury preventing that. Soraya winning the AEW Women's World title. Big surprise, Fozzie. Chris Jericho performed Judas live at All In. Big shocker, didn't they took that opportunity. Ray Phoenix is, uh, missed the show uh, due to, uh, I believe, visa issues. Hook won the FTW title uh, in the aforementioned uh, Jack Perry match. Mercedes Monet appeared in the crowd, and she has not appeared for AEW since. Santana Ortiz made their return uh, to the company after a long break, and they were added to the wild stadium stampede match that took place. And then Christian Cage was added to the AEW All-In Coffin match. The tag team match includes Sting and Darby Allen. AR Fox is removed because he did not have his uh, his visa, his passport, rather, I believe, to travel. And they found out about that relatively last second. I think it actually kind of made the match better to have Cage in there. But it was, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a thing. So, yeah, I mean, I'm leaving off a lot of, like, results and things like that. But this was uh, a, a high point for AEW in terms of, you know, the money, the revenue, you know, over $10 million, they said. Uh, huge crowd again, the paid number, the in, in, in arena attendance number, whatever. This is just a, a spectacle. The visuals, they, they're Tony Khan promised they're going to use them a lot, and they have, and they probably should. And then you have this high, and then you have conversely the low of, yeah, again, the beginning, the end of CM Punk and, and this, uh, this divorce that was impending. Just this, um, yeah, the, it, they, they can't ever seem to go clean with like a, a big victory here. You know, there's always some sort of marring it. And this uh, this punk conversation, it got news. I mean, this news came out during the show. Uh, just one more thing. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, unfortunately the story coming out of all. It wasn't the in a way it was the 81,000 paid in a way it was, you know, a, a very good show, largely, you know, a, a lot of really, really good stuff uh, up and down the show, uh, you know, a, a record breaking gate or whatever. But like with a lot of the punk stuff and with a lot of AEW and in, in, in the punk era, it all kind of just got overshadowed eventually by by that, and you could see how this was probably going to be the, the the straw that broke the camel's back. It's like you can imagine being Tony Khan back there, and like this should be your crowning achievement and your company's crowning achievement or whatever. And you got this guy lunging at you and causing issues and knocking down monitors and stuff. And it's like, all right, enough of this. We're done. Yeah. Like let's let's whatever. I'm over this. We're all over this. Let and and it felt like in that day, it felt like okay. This has to be it. This, this. If this isn't it, then I don't know what to tell you. And that's that's kind of the thought that I had. It was like, how can this company continue letting this guy be this way? And and how can you know wh- whether you agree with him or disagree with him, whatever. It's this is not going to work. This relationship is not going to work. It's okay. You know, there there maybe one guy isn't all wrong and one guy isn't all right. It's not. It it doesn't have to be black and white that way. But like, it has to be the fact that this relationship cannot continue anymore. You know what I mean? Like we've 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 all been there. We've all had friends that have done that. That. Hey, maybe they're dating somebody. Maybe you're dating somebody. Again, there's not maybe you maybe you do stuff that's wrong too, and they do stuff that's wrong too. Both parties, but at the end of the day, you have to come together and just say this is not working. We need to stop this. And and thankfully, this was the end of that. And 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 this felt like the point of no return. This felt like we cannot go back to this. But what I'm always amazed about is that you have all this turmoil going on, 
And then Punk, a couple minutes before his match, is doing all this. Then he comes out there and has like one of the best matches of the night. Like that match rocks. I yeah. love that Samoa Joe CM Punk match. And it's like, this is what it's so weird about this. Like, imagine getting into just a gigantic fight, lunging at your boss, and then your music hits and you're like, all right, I got to go to work. And then you just do it. And then you have a good match and like, it's okay and it's fine. And then you go to the back and like, all right, now you have to go home because you lunged at the boss and caused a big issue again. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild, but yeah, unfortunately that became the story of all in Wembley and, and it really shouldn't have been, uh, the story should have been, you know, the crowning achievement of AEW being able to have one of the biggest, you know, wrestling events of all time. And just a, a, a monumental for a company this young to be able to do an event like this is, is just absolutely remarkable. And, uh, yeah, they're doing it again, you know, this year and, and they're probably not going to get to 80,000 plus paid, but they're already charting to have like one of the biggest, you know, shows in, in, in their history again. If not already, I think it's already number two, uh, but by by tickets paid. But uh, yeah, just a tremendous achievement for a company as young as they are to be able to do the things that they're able to do. And I think we lose sight of that a lot with AEW as we're, like you said, occasionally people will discuss stuff about AEW and break down the business of AEW. And I think a lot of it is lost in the fact that this company only started in 2019 and is already accomplishing these things and, and already doing these sort of things that some other companies, some secondary promotions never got to, and, and we're never able to even get near. So, uh, but yeah, of course the story is, you know, CM Punk getting in a fight and getting fired and all that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff happened with all in, but yeah, to me, the big story should have been the crowning achievement of AEW business. And unfortunately it wasn't, it was CM Punk. And that's why I think more than anything, it was good that that was the end of, of the relationship between the two. What else uh, stuck out uh, about the car to you? Did, did you like the main event? Did you, was there anything else that when you look back in this, in terms of Ing Ring, I know you mentioned Punk and Joe. Is there anything else that really stood out? Like, wow, that was that was great, a great moment, a great match, anything like that? Yeah, I love Osprey being the biggest star of the entire night. I thought, you know, wasn't surprising in the sense that he's in the UK and, and he's that, but I think that was maybe a wake up call to a lot of people because I've been, I've been a huge Will Osprey fan since the moment I saw him. You know, dating back five, six, seven years ago or whatever. But he had to fight a lot of critics along the way that this guy's too small. He's just a flippy do guy. He just does this. He just does that. And then, oh, he doesn't get over. Ah, the fans don't really care about him. Oh, he's just a, this guy. He's just a match guy. He's just a starting. Like, whatever it was, for years and years and years and years, there was always something about Osprey. And little by little, the guy just put his head down and just kept working and getting better and getting better and getting better. And the people that were watching stuff and were watching UK and were watching that stuff saying, like, this guy is getting so good and everyone's going to see it soon. And then in Japan, he's he's showing how good he is. And, and little by little, this guy just kept getting better and better and better. And then he comes out here at All In and he is the biggest star in this entire uh, a building and just gets a massive, massive reaction. And now, you know, signs with AEW and, and, and really gets to that level where he is arguably the best wrestler in the world. And I, I, I almost say inarguably to me, if you watch everything, I, I, I think it'd be, I'd, I'd be stunned that you could pick anybody over Osprey given his output uh, over the last couple of years. So I think that stood out to me. And then the main event, which I think was to me, a big moment in whether or not you are vibing with this story or not, is is because I was not. I, I thought the story of the match was horrible. I hated, hated, hated that match. And and there were a lot of people that loved it. The crowd obviously loved it, but it was very like it's when it's when it lost the plot for me with, with the story, with the MJF story and the Adam Cole story. Because at the end of the day, I, I want every pro wrestling story to at least be about defeating your opponent, winning a title. You know that sort of stuff should be the most important thing. And the story was largely two men that didn't want to beat the other guy for the title. And I was like, what are we doing here? I, I now we've 
now we've lost the plot a little bit where we have MJF being like, well, hey, if you want the title so bad, just take it. I'm like, no, (laughs) that's not what it's supposed to be. And and more than anything, like we all kind of at least I thought we knew what the story was going to be, that these guys were playing buddy buddy with each other. But we knew it was all untenable. We knew that one guy was going to stab the other guy in the back. We knew that, oh, yeah, they're playing it up and they're buddy buddy and uh uh, just, you know, grab ass and all that sort of stuff. At the end of the day, Adam Cole is going to turn on MJF and have Roderick Strong run in and, 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 you know, defeat him or or MJF's going to prove that he was the asshole along and hit him with the diamond ring or whatever and then none of that happened and then it was like well now what are we doing like now now i don't know what the story is anymore i thought i knew what this story was i thought it was going to hey you can't trust this other guy or these guys are going to turn on each other but now i don't know what the story is now neither of you want to win this match and your best friends and i don't know i it, to me it's when this story kind of detached from me and i kind of lost all you know understanding of what the hell we were going for here and we're still doing it now in, in you know here in december of 2023 we got the devil involved and all that sort of stuff. But at this point, it was like, I knew where the story was going and I knew what, what was happening. And now I'm like, okay, now I don't understand what the story is anymore. So that, that to me kind of detached, this is the moment where I kind of detached from the main event scene of AEW and, and have largely still not understood where we're really going uh, with, with, with the story. And as I was mentioning there, there was other kind of punk stuff. There was breadcrumbs. <laughs> so there's breadcrumbs throughout the month. And then there was other things uh, after this that kind of, told us everything that we need to know that, you know, the end of punk was coming. So uh, we learned, we started to get more details about punk's control backstage on collision, which I think people kind of assumed or knew that he had pretty major influence, but maybe not this much influence. Several wrestlers were booked and sent home from past collision shows, including uh, Matt Hardy was one. Uh, Christopher Daniels was not allowed on, on collision. And even though he's a, you know, it was a director of talent relations, I believe might be his title. And so, there were guys that in Ryan Nemeth was one. Uh, there was details that emerged on a punk Nemeth uh, confrontation from June that they had backstage over a Nemeth tweet. So that was a whole thing. There was the an issue of punk and jungle boy having a problem over uh, jungle boys desired use of glass. So kind of the TLDR of this is that jungle boy is part of this kind of build the hook one to use a, a real glass spot and punk assume that that was because jungle boy wanted to miss a couple of weeks of work or miss a week of work or something along those lines. And there was just some, uh, some conflict about this. I think if I remember right, AW management approved the glass spot, but then there was just some problems. So that was just a whole, a whole thing that kind of started this out. Uh, Punk praised the collision roster early in the month, calling the show a team effort. I, I included that in there. I thought it was a funny quote, given everything that happened. Um, and then there was this Hangman Page comment. So uh, during a, a post-AW collision match with uh, Punk and FTR, uh, afterwards Punk and off-air, of course with social media, nothing's ever off-air, and decided to uh, cut a promo, saw a, a Hangman Page sign, and decided to go into this strange you know, one-minute-or-so promo talking about um, essentially you know, he went to some sort of department store and and uh, saw some AW figures and he saw a bunch of hangman page figures and none of his because nobody buys hangman page figures. It just kind of made some comments and things like that, which just like really kind of strange. And then um, of course that made its way around uh, punk later said he sent, or he didn't say this, but his report, he sent an apology text to page for the promo. Tony kind of no comment on the issues between them. So he's glad the fans were interested in AEW. Uh, one of those classic Tony Conquests. But yeah, <laughs> this one, uh, but I mean, you look at all these things again, this all happened in August that, uh, I mean, to your point, or there was just uh, this one, there's just no way you're going to be able to keep them around. Yeah, exhausting. It's a great way to put it. It was just, again, these uh, taking these shots at these guys, and, and we'll talk about because the guys are going to be sticking around a lot longer. It just seemed like um, 
it was just untenable. Again, kind of going after the the you know uh, quote unquote friends of the young bucks. You know the guys like you know, Ryan Nemeth and Jack Perry, and it was just a uh, in the page comment just seemed completely unnecessary. That yeah, this was really the beginning of the end, if not you know the end. That this was an indication that at this point you had to you had to get rid of him because this it was just a question of how you're going to go about it. Yeah, and this is when it, it became increasingly desperate. You know what I mean? Like he he's 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 trying to cut his own promos and start his own stories and do these own things. And so badly, he just wanted so badly the Young Bucks to either come at him or try to do a story or do business. Like he, he his report will say that, oh, I just wanted to do business with those guys. I just wanted to, you know, make money or whatever. And and sure, maybe they should have said, you know what, screw it. Yeah, let's go make a bunch of money. But they're well on their rights to say, no, dude, we don't want to do anything with you. Like, leave us alone. You know, we, we're going to do our thing. You can do your thing. Let's just stay, you know, separate. We don't have to do it, you know. And and he just couldn't take that and couldn't take it. And that's when you get these weird comments about Hangman Page and the weird comments about these other guys and and just all this desperation and 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 just yeah, it it was exhausting, 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 exhausting at this point. So when when it all emerged and it all kind of came to a head at all in, it's like yeah, this is and and largely this is what happens when you don't actually do conflict resolution either. When you just think, oh, here's a bunch of people hate each other. I'm sure they'll get over it eventually. Well, why would they get it over it? Like, why would they just assuming that they'll get over it? Or, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll just make sure they never see each other and then they'll get over it. Like that, that it was this is the it became the real problem with AEW is not doing conflict resolution with this thing. It was going to come to this point, and then it came to this point, and then it exploded and, and the powder keg, you know, exploded and, and and we had what we had. But yeah, this is why you have to do conflict resolution. And, and they never did, and and this is the result of it. Major mistake that cost the company millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars major issue mm-hmm. yeah so speaking of millions of dollars during the month the elite the young bucks kenny omega and hangman page signed new multi-year com- deals with the company the elites deals we learned later reportedly for four years and the young bucks when they were talking about it i believe it was on the swerve strickland podcast talking about resigning they said that the votes did not line up every time that you know they would kind of one guy say ah maybe we should go maybe we should stay and so on and so forth. So it, it was interesting that, you know, in this month that Punk was kind of establishing himself on collision and causing a lot of problems, that the uh, the other end of the uh, the seesaw were sticking around for a lot longer and kind of what Punk thought about that. And the interesting quote about the votes did not line up every time. And that is, um, that is that has stuck out to me because to me, you know, if you're signing with a place, you know, there, there's going to be your positives and negatives, but it's uh it's interesting i'd love to kind of know the rationales and i assume i kind of know you kind of figure out a lot of the rationales for why you know the bucks and 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 those guys who maybe want to try somewhere else uh i assume maybe to avoid the drama or you know just bigger opportunity i I, you know i'm kind of curious about what the um what some of the rationales were but to me i think that you know it is a it is a big difference with AEW and that people can get time off with their families. It's less events, not house shows or anything like that. And so, you know, you're going to lose some, some opportunities, some in-ring work and potentially the opportunities to, to get bigger and kind of tour around and, and all that stuff. But you're able to, you know, go home and they don't use these guys every single week. And I assume there's some sort of attractiveness to that for them, especially guys, you know, the bucks have kids and hang the page as a young kid and, and all that. But yeah, I thought this was in, in this whole month of stuff is interesting that, you know, there's a lot of talk of whether, you know, the Bucks and Omega would consider going to WWE, uh, but that would not be, and and at least will not be for another, you know, reportedly four years. And if they ever, ever go at all, who knows? Yeah, I think it, 
this this to me reflected a couple things. It reflected, like you said, the fact that that everybody didn't line up every single time on on, on you know going was 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 notable. But I think also when they signed those new deals, it maybe made people realize, okay, maybe it's not as turbulent as we think. Like we think it's just absolute, absolute, absolute chaos, and everybody just wants to get away from this chaos as much as possible. And maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was okay. There, there's a little bit of chaos, and obviously there's chaos involving one guy. But if we maybe get that guy out, maybe if we let that guy let his, you know, his candle burn too much, which it did, and of course it did. You know, I, I think that's largely what it was. Is is maybe those guys all got together and said, okay, if once that guy's gone, like this thing's pretty good. You know what I mean? This thing's not too bad, and this is a pretty good gig for us for all the the reasons that you mentioned. Let's see what happens here, because I think this guy is not going to. I I think this is all going to come to a head very quickly, and they won on that for sure. Because what was it? A couple of weeks after that deal got signed, you know, the, the all in thing happens and it's all over. And it's like okay, uh-huh. yeah, that that's what we knew, you know. So they, they they probably played the long game there, the smart game, and and, and let that guy kind of you know hang himself in a lot of ways uh, in AEW, and, and he absolutely did. So yeah, I don't know. It, it it it. I think that's the right spot for all those guys. I think they are all going to be more creatively fulfilled there long term. I think, like you said, the schedule is good for 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 them. I think that they still, you know, do they wield the power that they wielded in that company two, three, four years ago? No, absolutely not. But it's still a better gig, I think, for them. And, and they can still, you know, sort of be themselves and 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 play out the rest of their careers with a pretty financially, I, I'd imagine the terms are, are very, very good for those guys as well. And they probably looked at it and said, okay, we know what we have here. It's the evil you know versus the evil you don't or whatever. We know what we have here. We know that that guy over there is, you know, it sucks with that guy there, but I don't think it's going to last very much longer. And, and they absolutely they, they nailed it in that sense. So, um, yeah, it, it, and, and to me, it, it also proved a little bit of stability for AEW, too. I remember that being a breath of like, oh, OK, these guys are sticking around. Maybe this thing, you know, because people all get doom and gloomy about AEW all the time. And it's like that that would be a moment of real doom and gloom, maybe, you know, a real moment of like, ooh, what's going on here? If the Bucks are like, yeah, no, we're going to WWE or whatever. Kenny Omega is like, yeah, I'm going to WWE or whatever. That that would be a big moment or, or worse worse than all those hangman page going there because that's still a young guy you can build around and do some stuff with so uh, i thought it was a very um to me a very stabilizing move to be like oh okay these guys are hanging around at least for you know four more years or whatever that's really good and that that proves that this company is is going to you know see through some ups and downs or whatever but largely these guys are going to be around for for the long haul i wonder i can't help but wonder i have one for quite some time how strained that relationship is between the elite and tony khan given that the lack of conflict resolution, as you mentioned, and just the, again, kind of, you know, bringing punk back and essentially giving him his own show. I just, I, I, I can't help but think that there has to be some sort of string of that relationship. You saw, you know, Cody Rhodes leaving over, um, was assumed to be a, you know, lack of, uh, you know, he's an EVP along with those guys and just his responsibilities kind of taken away and kind of maybe the promise of maybe being more involved in the day to day, get taken away more and more. Um, I just, I, I hope someday we kind of get a little bit more of an understanding of, of what their mindset was of how Tony Khan dealt with things in that post all out brawl out year. Yeah, it, it would be, you know, yeah. One of these days, those guys will sit down and actually, you know, say what's going on and and, and what happened and the ups and the downs or whatever. I mean, there, it's impossible that it's not fractured to some point, maybe fractured is a little too strong, but at least not, you know, it's not where it was two, three years ago. It, it can't be. There, there's just no way that that it can be where it is anymore. I feel like it's it's at this point. It's it's probably just a complete business relationship, and, and that's that's fine. And I think there's also a little bit of, and, and you know, stuff that got told by a lot of people is that you know Tony Khan and CM Punk 
they saw eye to eye on you know their ideas of wrestling and their fandom and their their upbringing a lot more than Tony Khan and the Young Bucks did or Tony Khan and Kenny Omega did or whatever where you know Tony Tony Khan and, and, and CM Punk they you know largely grew up in the same area they grew up around the Chicagoland area or whatever they like a lot of the same wrestling you know somebody told me you know who's more likely to text Tony about a WCW Saturday night episode from 1992 at 2 a.m. in the morning or whatever it's not the Young Bucks I'll tell you that yeah. it is CM Punk though would be the type of guy who would be an insomniac watching you know old WCW and texting Tony about it in the, the middle of the night or whatever. So I think from that standpoint, I think that they, they realize that, okay, th- this guy probably, if he had a choice, you know, gun to his head or whatever, I bet Tony would have probably preferred to keep, you know, CM Punk for, for a multitude of reasons. But, you know, this is the guy that, you know, he's kind of stuck with the elite for now or whatever. He's, you know, the, the elite are the guys that are probably going to be the more stable guys. And I think they probably know that too. And I feel like now, it's strictly a business relationship. And, 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 and I would love, like you said, some time to have those guys sit down and really talk about, you know, what conversations really, really happened and how things did change. Let's go through the first chunk of AEW headlines. Uh, all out had to take shape quickly because it was a week after all in, which, uh, you know, talk about that forever. Uh, John Moxley was set to challenge for the international title against orange Cassidy, Kenny Omega versus Kanosuke Takeshita. And then uh, powerhouse Hobbs taking on Miro in a big meaty men slapping meat fight. Tony Khan said, and hold these two events so close together, it's exciting to do it. Louisville, Kentucky was set to get some AEW action. Cornette Country, as he would talk about later in the year, there was a rumor that he was going to appear at the show, and he said in so many words, that was never happening. Uh, the company announced Fight for the Fallen events, and the proceeds going to the Maui Food Bank, of course, the uh, wildfires in Hawaii, and uh, they had a Texas Chainsaw death match. Checks it, yeah, a death match. It was sponsored by Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the video game. And the company said they were donating the sponsorship money to uh, the food bank. Tony Khan announced the Wrestle Dream pay-per-view uh, coming up in October. Also, the official date and location for Full Gear, which would be in November in Los Angeles at the Forum. This is a story kind of just went away. Uh, after a while, Cash Wheeler was arrested for aggravated assault with a firearm. There's was warrant affidavit released in a, essentially a road rage case. We haven't heard anything about this in a while. I assume uh, at some point we get some sort of resolution to this where there's some concern he was not going to be able to, to go overseas, but uh, he did. He made the made the date, and uh, we didn't even mention the Young Bucks match. Yeah, the uh, FTR pick up a win over the Young Bucks at All-In. Uh, Pac was out of action with an injury that would keep him off the All-In card. He still has not been back since. Britt Baker said she was really surprised by the reaction to the uh, A-Dynamite match he had with Taya Valkyrie, which was not good. So she was really surprised by that. Britt Baker essentially a ghost these days in AEW. Wardlow was a ghost at this time. He's been very depressed since being off AEW TV. Chris Jericho said, I love this quote, AEW locker room was unfairly painted as a dumpster fire after All Out. FTR said the more time passes, the more likely CM FTR versus the Elite is. Another great quote. The boys announced they were signing. With AEW and Ring of Honor, Tony Khan said Brian Danielson is the person he would trust to put together an AEW show if he could not make it or if he was hit by a bus or something like that. So it's interesting, he kind of, you know, was the a line of secession uh, almost there with AEW, which we really hadn't heard that much about. And the Tony, which has been pointed out to me earlier in the series, he did not mention any of his EVPs. He mentioned Brian Danielson. So take that as what you will. And Tony Khan said in the AEW locker room, I can't make everyone get along. Thoughts about any of that? He's certainly right about the last one. It's, it's he, he he can't make everybody get along and uh-huh. uh, doesn't seem to try to do that either. But uh, uh, no, I think uh, it, a very eventful month for a lot of reasons. Uh, all out, you know, that, that was wild. That it's like, okay, you're doing pay-per-views on back-to-back weekends. How is this going to work? Are you going to be able to do this? 
And the result was all oh, that was a great show. I was there live and, and just absolutely, absolutely loved that show and, and was put together very quickly. But uh, I thought, you know, went to went to their easiest well of just let's have great matches. You know what I mean? Let, let's let's just go out there and have great matches. Maybe there's not great stories to them. Maybe there's not a ton to do. Uh, but but I think they did. You know, I, I think as good as you're going to be able to do, you know, booking pay-per-views that quickly uh, after one another. Yeah, Danielson and Starks, which was a tremendous match and, and Omega and Takeshita, which, you know, had been built for, for a long time as well. The Moxley versus OC, like uh, Orange Cassidy. Uh, a great, great match as well. So yeah, I love that pay-per-view. Really, really good. I, I wouldn't advise them to do this, you know, as quickly and do pay-per-views as quickly uh, back-to-back, but it seemed to be, you know, financially successful for them in terms of pay-per-view buys, and it seemed to do pretty well. Um, So good for them. But yeah, it seemed like a very, very tough time to, you know, finish a pay-per-view and go, okay, guys, let's do it again next week. <laughs> like that, that seems uh, wild and maybe don't do that uh, again. And I think what, you know, the most important thing about August was uh, for for AEW business was the announcement of the Wrestle Dream pay per view, which really kind of made us realize, okay, this is a company that's now going to move away from the quarterly pay per views and start doing maybe not every month, but start doing a lot more pay per views, and and they'll get there. I think very quickly we'll we'll wake up one day and they're going to be doing a pay per view every single month, and, and and you know and and that's you know. It's from one standpoint, it's like I like the idea that they do quarterly pay per views, but from a business standpoint, monthly pay per views are there, there's a reason every company over the last 30 years has kind of got gotten to that direction. Is it just it it just makes the most sense and it just makes the most money. Um, so so eventually they're they're gonna go there for sure and, and they're gonna have that. And uh yeah, the wheeler story, right. We we haven't really heard anything about it. I don't know. Is it uh is it over? Is it done? Is it uh I don't know. That seemed like one of the biggest stories, uh, you know, coming up of like, oh God, there's another thing in AEW, uh, mm-hmm. and that's kind of all settled down, and now you don't hear too much about it either. So uh, hopefully they got that resolved, or hopefully he got it resolved, and uh, yeah, hopefully he also doesn't drive around and uh, point guns at people while he's driving. That uh, maybe maybe don't do that as much. Don't yeah. man, doesn't seem like a good idea. Maybe don't do that. <laughs> Let's go over the other chunk, and we'll uh, wrap up the the month in AEW and slash ROH because there wasn't really a lot of our Ring of Honor news. Uh, Tony Khan responded to Triple H calling AEW a secondary promotion, saying that. Essentially, AEW is the the top promotion in the UK and kind of running over the same numbers as he has. But I, I don't really buy that. But you know, talk about ratings and things like that. But that's what he said. He's a promoter. He said that Sting is on what he thinks is the greatest run of his career as part of being in AEW. He says dream for the AEW library has become available on Max. I think it's everyone's dream is to have it available somewhere so we can watch some of these old pay per views and events and great matches and and all that. Maybe someday we'll get that. I assume with this new. Right steel Thunder Rosa provided an injury update and her possible return timeline. Spoiler alert, we still have not seen her back in action. Roderick Strong said, AEW reminds me of what I loved about Ring of Honor. And I think some people wish that was not the case. For RVD, Rob Dan Dan made his AEW debut, was set to face Jack Perry on an episode of Dynamite. RVD would stick around for a couple sporadic matches here and there. Sting and Darby Allen, ahead of All In, made a surprise appearance at an indie show and attacked AR Fox when AR Fox is still scheduled for that all-in event. Hikaru Shida won the AEW Women's World title at the 200th episode of AEW Dynamite that took place during the month. Shayna Ta- uh, Taylor Shane Taylor won a future Ring of Honor TV title shot against Samoa Joe, Kip Sabian and the Dark Order, signed new AEW contracts. In an interview, Cody Rhodes said leaving AEW was the easiest thing I ever did. Ouch. Jim Ross returned to the commentary booth on AEW Collision after a, uh, a break. And then Darby Allen said he plans to live and die in AEW and says there will never be any bidding war for him. Any thoughts on that stuff? Yeah, I think uh, the the Sting greatest run of his career thing is is again it's promoter mode because the greatest run of his career is the one that he's promoting right now and uh, leading to you know the AEW retirement uh, for Revolution. But I think the Sting run has been like you know it's it's kind of a crazy quote and it seems laughable at, at, a little bit. But this Sting run's been really really good. I think he's had. 
probably the best collection of matches that he that he's ever had. I mean, I think all of his stuff in AEW has been really, really high level good stuff. Uh, there's a lot less Black Scorpion, a lot less dumb things happening uh, uh, around uh, his characters. So, so yeah, maybe I, I don't know. That that's that seems like a lofty quote, but then when you really look at it uh, in terms of totality, it, it might actually be uh, a pretty damn. Uh, uh, you know, true statement from from Con there, and then yeah, the AEW library thing available on Max. Like one of these days, this thing's this library's got to be available somewhere. It, there's got to be a way to watch this old stuff. It's just wild that we're still now approaching the end of 2023. No idea what you know the new TV deal is going to be. No idea if the AEW library is ever going to be available on anything. It's not available on on this. It's not available on that. Like to the U.S. audience, you can't go back and watch the old pay per views legally, other than like you know. I guess if you, if, if you want to get a VPN and go on fight, I think you can get them or whatever. There's just, but, but for like a, a normal legal, you know, U.S. citizen that just wants to, I just want to sit down on my TV and watch, you know, Revolution 2020. You can't do that right now. And that that to me blows my mind that they haven't figured out something or some way uh, to make that available to people. It's just, yeah, it, it blows me away. And it's, it's I don't know. I, is it a good business decision or a bad one? I, I, I don't know. I, you know, there's been a lot of loyalty to Turner for a lot of reasons, but you know, so far I don't know that that loyalty has been fully rewarded. And I guess we'll find out when a new, you know, when they do announce their new TV deal and maybe they do announce, you know, streaming stuff available uh, somewhere, uh, the library available somewhere. But right now it's like, all right, come on, we're, we're, we're starting 2024 and there's still no uh-huh. way to watch these old shows. It's just, it blows my mind. Let's go to uh impact. A uh, few things happened during the month. The company announced kind of a big thing it was a little bit underplayed, but I think if you, a lot of people don't really pay attention to impact, but you know, they, they announced they were going to reduce their TV taping dates for the duration of the year due to a massive upgrades in production. Uh, this would of course be the precursor to the eventual announcement of the return of the famous three letters TNA as uh, so they're going to make a, a big push here in 2024. So we'll, uh, we'll see that, but yeah, they, I was wondering kind of how they're going to structure things, but they use some, uh, some UK uh, matches in their rotation. They did a throwback throwdown, uh, thing the other day. So they're kind of just filling in the TV, kind of lame duck before they uh, get to uh, January when they flip to TNA. But uh, I'm interested to see what these massive upgrades are. Uh, the bill to Impact 1000 was on. Some announcements for the September taping. Gail Kim and Awesome Kong announced they're returning to the ring. The Dudleys, after seven years, officially set to reunite in tag team action. And a bunch of other names were announced as well. Kami held their second crossover event with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling Multiverse United 2. Alex Shelley, defending the Impact World title of Hiroshi Tanahashi. Julia defending her strong women's title in a four-way that I believe might have been her U.S. debut. I can't remember, but it was uh, certainly a rare U.S. date for Julia, so more fans got to see her. Again, one of these, you know, compared to the uh, Forbidden Door, it, uh, Multiverse United doesn't really get much uh, much attention or much play. Uh, Deanna Perrazzo graduated from college, Southern New Hampshire University. Emergence, they had that stream event took place. The Rascals, one of the Impact Tag Team titles from Subculture. Steve Mackle returned from injury. And Trinity retained her knockouts title with a win over former champion Deanna Perrazzo. Will Ospreay was set to make his Impact Wrestling return at Bound for Glory. And then Jordan Grace was announced to be returning at Impact's Victory Road. Of course, she had taken some time off and was a free agent. There was some question whether she would return to the company. But I didn't hear anything about uh, whether she talked to AEW, WWE, anybody else. But... She uh she came back to Impact. I don't know if they announced uh, like a full contract, how many years, all that stuff. But yeah, she's uh she's back in the company, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll take it from there. Thoughts about any of that? 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you mentioned the TV tapings with the production. I think that was maybe the first sign. And now it seems a little bit more obvious with, you know, what happened at Bound for Glory and the return to TNA and and maybe, you know, them saying that for the rest of the year, they're going to start working, uh, you know, for 2024, they're going to work on getting bigger venues and better venues and stuff like that and making the TV look a little different. And and now, you know, we're, as we're recording this, they just launched, you know, TNA Plus or whatever, just a, a new uh uh, streaming service or whatever so yeah it, it, it maybe the signs you know right there weren't you know now the signs are clear to what, what was going on here and, and what was being planned and and it's cool that there's you know i, I think impact has done a great job over the last couple of years of stabilizing and, and becoming a real not necessarily a a true player in the industry but i think you know very solid number three a very very solid number three in in america and and being a good place to work and and be, you know having you know, decent shows like that. Everything I've watched of Impact this this year, it, it doesn't always doesn't always blow me away. It's not always like a great, great show, but I think they've gotten really solid. I think they book a really good roster of people. There's a lot of talent on that show, and and it's fun that it's being rewarded. and And we'll see what happens with the you know the rebranded TNA and or the back the, the re rebrand <laughs> back to TNA <laughs> and see you know what sort of happens there and 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 you know how it affects them and their perception and whatnot. And it was a big. You know, it was a big moment when it happened at Bound for Glory, and then we haven't really heard much about it since then. But you know, we'll find out very, very soon because that first event uh, is coming up uh, very, very shortly. So, I'm very curious what happens with that. But you know, it, it it's cool that it does seem like there's you know more investment being put into Impact and TNA, and not necessarily you know they could kind of rest on their laurels and just be fine being the you know very distant number three. But it does seem like they're actually trying to you know be a player and and being you know quote unquote in the mix for Punk and Will Osprey free agency, even though they probably weren't in the mix. Hey get in the room and, and sending an offer in, or at least, you know, getting your name out there in the, in the news as, 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 you know, trying to sign these guys is, 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 is as important as actually sign them uh, as, as well. And, and, and TNA definitely has done that. So yeah, it, it, you know, this, this month was really kind of them setting the building blocks for what was going to happen at Bound for Glory and, you know, announcing the rebrand and, and y'all kind of, see, you can see it coming together there. Yep. Uh, let's go through the month in Japan, uh, new Japan crowned the winner of the G1 climax 33 Naito Tetsuya Naito. Winning for the third time, defeated Okada, so he could get his world title shot coming up at January's Wrestle Kingdom. The be- best of seven series was booked for Road to Destruction. Renderita and Shota Umino would team against one another in a best of seven trios uh, series. That's kind of interesting. New Japan's strong Lone Star shootout was announced for Texas. Will Ospreay says he's going to change the IWGP US title to the UK title instead. Sonata revealed an injury suffered during the uh, G1 Climax tournament that he uh, he got. Minoru Suzuki and Sanshiro Takagi announced they were going to be wrestling inside a bullet train for DDT for a promotion <laughs> there. That was uh, quite a spectacle. Uh, New Japan announced Royal Quest 3 for London. Japanese wrestling historian Kochi Yoshizawa passed away at 73 years old. Hiromu Takahashi said he wanted to defend the IWGP junior title in AEW. We have yet to see that, perhaps at this year's Forbidden Door. Who knows? Mike Bailey won the All-Star Junior Festival Tournament and called out Hiromu Takahashi. And Leah Rush issued a challenge to Takahashi. So then a three-way was set for New Japan's destruction. Roigaku, uh, I probably pronounced that terribly, between Mike Bailey, Hiromu Takahashi, and Leo Rush. And yeah, thoughts about any of that? Uh, yes. Yeah, so the big thing, obviously, Naito winning the G1, uh, going to Wrestle Kingdom, and, and now we're looking at what what looks like going to be a huge, huge moment in uh, in 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 Japan, and kind of the crowning achievement, maybe, of this um, this entire tenure of of New Japan, and maybe this era where where Naito presumably will go to Wrestle Kingdom, presumably will defeat Sonata, and presumably you know do you know the Lij roll call that that is so popular in Japan or whatever, and and maybe kind of close the book on on his era and his run. 
uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. So we'll see what happens uh, in, in terms of that at Wrestle Kingdom. But uh, yeah, an eventful month, I, I think, for them in, in, in some ways. And, uh, you know, it, it also speaks to a little bit of the you know, New Japan's uh, Reach Western, you know, which was so big for so many years and now feels like due to the presence of AEW and due to the presence of so many other things, like, yeah, it, it you know, Naito winning the G1 is, you know, we were talking about it, what, an hour and 10 minutes into the show or whatever, you know, <laughs> it just completely, you know, not, kind of irrelevant in the larger scheme of of, of the wrestling world. And it, it was a huge, it was Naito versus Okada. I mean, that was one of the biggest matches in the world a couple years ago. Uh, and now it just kind of happens in the finals of G1. And yeah, it, it, it gets brought up, you know, an hour and 10 minutes into a show, you know, recapping just a month of, of you know, uh, wrestling. It just kind of speaks to how, you know, big and how unique, you know, AEW and 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 the rest of the Western wrestling world is right now to the point where, yeah, what's going on in Japan is 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 largely irrelevant, even if it is, you know, two of the biggest stars facing one another in the G1 and one of the biggest, biggest stars of this era, you know, booking his his shot for uh, you know, the, the Wrestle Kingdom is, is just kind of a non-factor and not a big story. And we wrap up the month, and I usually call this the junk drawer segment, but I'm gonna call it the funk drawer segment yeah, for this one. Because, uh, again, this is one of the bigger stories of the month, but just how the formatting works out. We're talking about it now. The one and only Terry Funk passing away at 79 years old, again, within a day or so of Bray Wyatt passing away. And, of course, this all happening when AEW is overseas getting ready for all. And just a crazy, like, stretch of of news within just a, a short uh, burst of time. But, you know, we, we talked about Terry Funk earlier. And just a, uh, you know, you could talk about forever. There was tons of podcasts and think pieces and all that stuff written and, and done and, and so on. Just a incredible man, uh, incredible person who you lived, as we mentioned, like five different lives competed in all the major organizations, uh, made impacts in all the different organizations. And I, everyone kind of has their, you know, their Terry funk era that they, that they saw him in and was just, uh, he was just him. He was just this really unique, personality the voice the look uh, he was an actor and, and did all these notable roles you know so many wrestlers try to go into acting and it just doesn't work and you know he wasn't a major mainstream star but he started he was in a few things that people remembered along you know Sty, uh, sylvester stallone uh, he was in an episode of, you know quantum leap and just you know there's just all these different like things that he did that were uh that were notable and just uh yeah, it's just an incredible man that spanned all these different decades, influenced you know hundreds of different wrestlers uh, throughout his career, and just uh, it, it sounds cliche to say there will be no one ever like him again. I don't think there ever will be. It's just a a just a just a perfect kind of encapsulation of just how crazy wrestling is, and uh, how notable it is, and just uh, he lived a thousand yeah, five lives is enough, a thousand different lives in seventy nine years old. But uh, yeah, passing away during this month, and uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, we, we talked about at, at the beginning, of, you know, where the tragedy of Bray Wyatt passing away at only thirty six years old and not living his entire life, and and we talked about it with Funk. Funk lived, like you said, thousands of lives, and and arguably, and and a very, I mean, can can be argued very well that the greatest wrestler of all time in terms of what he was able to do. The, the amount that he was able to do just the difference of his careers like his career every step of his career is different and unique and, and he constantly reinvented himself from starting as you know 
uh, mostly an amateur based wrestler to going to Japan and being just a mega star in Japan, being just a, the biggest star, the biggest star in Japan, like just a gigantic, gigantic star there coming back to America, doing the hardcore stuff, you know, going to WCW, that great run with Ric Flair, just just incredible run in the early nineties with Ric Flair. One of the best stories I ever told in wrestling. You have the Lawler empty arena stuff. You go to WWF, he comes in as Chainsaw Charlie and does that sort of stuff. He's got his last little run in WCW and just the ECW run in between. You know, just doing that stuff, you know, letting that company be what that company is. That company does not emerge the way it is without a guy like a Terry Funk. And and Paul Heyman says this so uh, on, on Beyond the Mats, you know, that 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 great speech that he gives before, you know, barely legal saying none of us, none of this is possible without that guy, without Terry Funk right there being a selfless guy, a guy that's worried about, you know, getting the next generation over and worried about this business, you know, what the business is going to be, you know, when he's long gone and, and making sure that this business is as good as it's going to be. I mean, this guy is an icon in wrestling. I mean, you can go. For hours and hours and hours, we did a tribute show with him, you know, on 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 the flagship podcast, myself and Joe Lanza, and I think we went like two and a half hours, and we could have gone five hours, you know what I mean? And we barely scratched the surface, and what kept happening was so we bring up, oh wait, we forgot to mention blank or whatever. And we're like, oh yeah, blank, and then we talk about blank for you know twenty five minutes or thirty minutes or whatever. It's just you can't stop talking about what this guy accomplished and what he did. Uh, in the world of professional wrestling. It's just, it, it blows everybody away. And I don't think anybody like a Terry Funk can ever exist in this wrestling world again. It's just this, yeah. the wrestling world that he lived in and he inhabited, that doesn't exist anymore. It just, yeah. it just doesn't. From the territories to bouncing around between all these different companies, bouncing around between different countries, you just can't do what, what those guys did anymore. And yeah, he he is a one of one. They will never, ever, ever be another Terry Funk. And, and, and yeah, very easily can make the case to being the best wrestler of all time, the best wrestler ever. And, and just a, a guy that, lived so many different lives and lived them to the fullest. So yeah, it was, you know, it sucked to have him pass away, but what I think, you know, when you look at, you know, okay, well, is, is there at least a shining light to, to, to tragedy? And it was, you know, people going back and watching Terry Funk promos, watching Terry Funk matches, really learning what this guy was and what he really did to the wrestling world. And I think, you know, not enough tributes can be done to this guy. And, and, and every, every year and every, you know, month people should go back and relive something with Terry Funk just because you could do that for the rest of your life. And and I don't think you'll cover it all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was doing stuff with Dusty Rhodes and MLW, like the, they had the yeah, games yeah. cage. I mean, this is mm-hmm. like every organization would be like, Oh, there's a, there's a Terry Funk. There's a Terry Funk thing. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Terry Funk passing away. At 79 years old, Brian Cage, we'll go over the rest of the month here. Brian Cage was sidelined briefly and address missing uh, triple mania in Mexico City. Uh, Tammy, Tammy Sitch, Sonny, talk about, you know, the greatness of Terry Funk and then just mm-hmm. the low of this. Uh, Tammy uh, Sitch pleading no contest through DUI causing death. We'll talk about more about her later in the series. The Wrestlers docuseries with uh, folks on Ohio Valley Wrestling set to premiere on Netflix in September. The Vaude Villains set to reunite at a House of Glory event. Kenosuke Takesha was set to replace John Moxley at a wrestling revolver event because Moxley is going to be needed for a parking lot brawl street fight the next night that was going to be taped. Ian Riccoboni of Ring of Honor was announced to uh, or elected to the local school board. Matt Cardona set to make his MLW debut in a Kiss My Foot match. Yes, MLW announced a partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling. It was set to begin at Fury Road. We'll see if that uh, provides any fruit there. Lufisto and Jonathan Gresham had to pull out of a Beyond wrestling show, Jonathan Gresham due to injury and Lufisto due to uh, kind of this furor around uh, some comments she had made about AEW during her uh, you know brief kind of appearances there on Dark. And a lot of that was tied into some issues she had with Ruby Soho and, and whatever. But that, that, was a, that was a whole online thing. John Moxley was announced for uh, OTT's ninth year anniversary show. 
He also made his PWG debut at 20, the Mystery Vortex event. El Hio del Vikingo was injured and had to be pulled from a GCW homecoming event. Davey Boy Smith Jr. won the MLW Opera Cup for, I think, the 800th time. Conan said he found a kidney donor. Um, I'm contractually obligated to say that Dave Meltzer, Brian Elvers, and Vince Verhey were part of the WrestleQuest video game. Chris Jericho attacked Will Ospreay at RevPro's 11th anniversary event. This was a precursor, of course, to um, All In. At NWA 71, an event that definitely happened, two nights, Maxine Paler won the women's title, Colby Carino won the junior heavyweight title, Thrill Billy Silas Mason won the national title, and Blunt Force Trauma won the tag team titles. And the next night on night two, in a, a match that lives in infamy for everyone that ever saw it, uh, or maybe a couple spots from it, EC3 defeating Tyrus to win the NWA world title at night two of NWA 75, the wrestling world. Would never be the same. Oh Nick no, Al- no, yeah, we're still we're still talking about it. we're still talking about it today. Here's December, and we're still talking about that match. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, and uh, I mentioned this, this quote earlier, alluded to it. Nick Allen said he's very much in his prime. Oh, and not and not done wrestling. How about that? Mm, okay. Let's see. <laughs> and then, and then finally, uh, the the hottest free agent to be QT Marshall won the Latin American title at Triple Mania in Mexico City uh, again while being under AEW contract. Thoughts about any of any of that? Um. Yeah, obviously the the Tammy Sitch Sunny stuff is just an absolute tragedy, and uh, you know for for the people and the lives that she's affected, and you know thankfully uh, we we did learn you know very recently that uh, she will be going away for a while, and that's that's you know one time is one th- you know one time is a mistake, two times is you really, and then she is just time after time after time after time you know been in trouble and 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 done these things, and yeah, absolutely you know causes a death with this last one, and it's like okay, th- th- we're done here, you know what I mean? Like we're we're th- this this you need yeah. to be punished, you know, very severely. And and thankfully it does look like she is uh, finally doing that. As far as the wrestlers documentary, it's weird. I, or the docuseries, did, did, have you watched it? Cause I never did. And I don't know. I, I have this weird thing where stuff that I'm too into, I don't want to watch. Cause it's like, I think I'm just going to be annoyed by it or cause like, I love NBA history. Like basketball history is next to wrestling is like my next favorite thing to do. And I even host a you know, basketball history podcast called the, the overback podcast, by the way, if you want to listen to it, but then like, I never wanted to watch the HBO Lakers show. And I did a little bit. I watched a little bit, you know, cause I was always like, ah, they're going to do stuff. That's going to annoy me or whatever. Uh, I'm going to get into like the facts aren't going to quite line up with what I want or whatever. And that's what I kind of always felt about the wrestlers docuseries. I had a bunch of friends that were like, Oh, you're watching that, right? It's going to be, it's brand. I'm like, I don't know if I want to, like, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I never did quite get into it. Did you ever actually watch it? Nope, I haven't seen a single episode of it. Yeah, do you have the same <laughs> thing where I'm just like, ah, I don't know, I'm into wrestling so much. Like, I feel like when I sit down and watch TV, I don't want to watch wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I watch enough of it. Yeah, it's like I still have like Dark Side of the Ring episodes I haven't seen. I yet. got it's... a whole DVR full of Dark Sides. Well. I do too. Yeah, I yeah. do too. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, one day I'll get to these, and it's like, I don't know. I've had these for years sitting on my DVR, and uh, I'm sure because Dark Side's always good. Every time I watch it, I enjoyed it. But yeah, for some reason, it's always like. There's always a tough, you know, sell to go. Okay, fine, I'll watch this wrestling thing. So, yeah, I was just curious if you had ever seen it, but I never, uh, did, I never quite uh, uh, jumped in. But uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting month in in, in the rest of the world uh, with, with with wrestling. There, a lot of international stuff with OTT. You know, obviously John Moxley, you know, being announced for it and then being pulled, and then you know uh, Jericho showing up at Rev Pro. That Rev Pro show was great too. I don't know if you ever actually had a chance to watch that. But uh, that Rep Pro show before All In was fantastic. There's a lot of really, really good stuff on that show. So uh, if you get a chance, definitely. I'd recommend everybody. Rep Pro is doing a great, great job. In 2023, they had another phenomenal year. So if you're if you're not watching Rep Pro out of UK, uh, definitely uh, definitely check them out. They they deserve uh, some of your time. Well, NWA, not so much. <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah, I watch NWA all the time because like, we host a show that we we've some for some reason have decided that we have to cover the end of like we covered the NWA when we first started 
And now it's like, well, hey, nobody else is covering this, so at least we have to cover it. And it is, uh, it's a thing. That's all I'll tell you about the NWA. It is a thing for sure. Yeah, that's hazard pay, my friend. That's what that is. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Oh, boy. Well, boy, what a uh, what a month. What a month. All kinds of stuff happening. This is a a crazy month. Arguably the the most uh, top to bottom busy uh, wrestling month in terms of news. Obviously, the WWE merger news is huge, but. In terms of stuff happening everywhere, uh, it's hard to top August, but we'll <laughs> see if we can try to do it in September. Rich, before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to uh, go ahead and plug where people can can hear you and, and read the work and Voices of Wrestling and all the good stuff. The floor is yours. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com, obviously, it's the website that I run. We do uh, columns, previews, reviews, uh, written stuff all about the world of wrestling and cover all the world of wrestling as well, from WWE to AEW to New Japan to uh, All Japan. Uh, Joshi, you know, stardom, Tokyo Joshi Pro, all that stuff is available there uh, at voicesofwrestling.com. We also have the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network, which is a uh, a network of podcasts about uh, wrestling. Yeah, who, who would believe it? Uh, but uh, we have same thing like the website. We cover all of the world of wrestling. We have podcasts strictly about AEW, a podcast strictly about, you know, All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling Noah, which, you know, if you're into those two, uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling has had a great, great year. Uh, and 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 you know business wise and and in ring wise, so we have a, a podcast that covers just that. We have a podcast that covers just European wrestling. We talked about Rough Pro a little bit earlier, just you know covering uh, the world of European wrestling. We have one that just covers the world of Joshi wrestling as well with Stardom and Tokyo Joshi Pro, uh, as well as you know a podcast that just covers New Japan Pro wrestling. We have the flagship podcast, the one that I co-host with with Joe, and we talk about the entire world of wrestling. We have a TNA retrospective podcast. Uh, we have a WCW retrospective podcast. Uh, as well as other podcasts across the, uh, the, the, the we, we run the gamut here. We have a, a trivia podcast. We have one about the music of wrestling. I mean, just a ton of stuff, a, a, a podcast, just about Dragon Gate as well. So just covers the entire world of wrestling there at the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. We also have where you can subscribe uh, to the entire network on your podcast app of choice, or uh, each one of those individual shows has their own feed as well. If you just say, hey, I just want to listen to that uh, All Japan Noah uh, the Emerald Flow Show, great. You can do that. But if you want to subscribe to the entire network, I can just look up Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network on your uh, app of choice, and you'll be able to find that. We're also on YouTube as well. So if you want to listen to the shows on YouTube uh, and, and Google Podcasts and YouTube Music and stuff, that is all available for you as well. Uh, last but not least, uh, I also do bonus audio on our Patreon. That's a flagship patreon.com uh, or voicesofwrestling.com slash Patreon. That's where uh, Joe and I uh, who do the flagship podcast. We'll do a bunch of other bonus audio as well. We do instant reaction shows to all the big AEW pay-per-views. Uh, so World's End will be coming up uh, here at the end of the month. We'll we'll do a reaction show to that. Immediately following the show, we go live, react to the show, talk about it, review it. Uh, we also do bonus audio too uh, in terms of weekly Dynamite reviews are up there at flagshippatreon.com uh, as well as bonus retro uh, audio. Joe does a series called Jovember to Remember uh, going through ECW history. Uh, they're a big Eddie Gilbert episode, a four-hour-plus uh, episode all about the life and career of Eddie Gilbert uh, is coming up in the next couple of, uh, you know, by the, I think by the time most of you guys listen to this, it should be up and available and uh, to listen to. And I am doing a series right now about the Bret Hart, Owen Hart feud, which uh, to, to age myself, and uh, and I'm sure you as well, Josh, turned 30 years old this year, the Bret Hart versus Owen Hart feud. So, wow. uh, yeah, once we reached the 30th anniversary, I was like, you know what? I got to take a deep dive into that feud, and, and that's what we're doing. Uh, right now, it's called Brett versus Owen, and it's an audio documentary style series. So we're taking clips from interviews, taking clips from matches, 
uh, you know, going into old observers, old PW torches to talk about the news of this angle, which is just one of the great stories and great feuds in, in wrestling history to me. So we're going month by month for that as well. So obviously November, we talked about the Survivor Series turn, uh, or not necessarily the turn, but kind of the turmoil going on in the Survivor Series match. December, we have the promos back and forth of Owens, you know, challenging Brett to a fight. Brett saying he'll never fight his own flesh and blood ever, not ever. We have them reconciling over the holidays, and then that'll be the December episode. And then January, of course, the leg's getting kicked out of the leg. We're having the Royal Rumble turn, and things are going awry. So, yeah, we're going to go month by month all the way through March and April uh, with that Brett versus Owen, and that's available uh, at FlagshipPatreon.com. We have uh, three price tiers as well. We have a $1 trial tier where you can get a few of the bonus audios for for just a dollar if you want to try us out. $5 gets you all the bonus audio, and $10 gives us uh, gives you all the live shows, all the bonus audio, as well as some additional written content that we do uh, as well at FlagshipPatreon.com. So a lot available uh, there. Uh, so, yeah, VoiceOfWrestling.com, the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network, and uh, FlagshipPatreon.com. And that's it yeah. for me. That's all that, I got. That, that might be the best plug we've had yet. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Well, Rich, I appreciate your time uh, you spent here with me today. And, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks so much for stopping by as we uh, took a look back at August 2023. Thanks again. Thank you.